0: Hey, this is Cande Raquel, and you are at the Sensual Sessions podcast, the place to explore sensing pleasure through your senses and moving in a way that is completely free from inhibition and full of self-expression. And if you're new, please go to centraldepoder.com and get yourself signed up to get these episodes weekly on your inbox. Today, we have a very special guest. This is Jessica Graham. I believe she's a very interesting human being because she's a movie star, she's an author, she's a meditation teacher, she's kind of an activist. She's my friend on Facebook, like, wow, she accepted me. And I am very happy that she is here with us today. Welcome, Jessica.
1: Mm, Well, thank you you so much for asking me to be here, and thank you for that um, really generous introduction. Um, I'd love to actually start this out by doing something that is just slightly out of my comfort zone, but it's something I'm leaning into because when I think about embodiment and whole self-expression and um, pleasure... um, I also think about, you know, authenticity. And yeah. so something over the last 2 years that I've been exploring and feeling into and kind of soft launching is my gender expression. And these days, uh I've really landed in if I have to choose a pronoun, my pronouns are they them for yeah. this at this time. Um and so I I share that it's something I'm even Many of my friends are just finding out because it took some time for me to kind of rest in what felt most authentic for me and what felt in my body felt the best and felt good. And that's what feels good. So I'll share that with you just because you
0: are also my friend. Thank you. Uh, Speaking of which, could you give us a little tutorial? Because I am Mexican and my second language is English. So they them like in practical grammatical term terms like seems ambiguous and in mexico this this general self-reflect reflection cultural maturity understanding authenticity is something that is just dreaming it's not yet established there are some propositions of 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 terms but it's Still, like not something um widespread so um for example when you're meeting someone like <laughs> how do you break the ice <laughs> well like, like you you look you look beautiful or you look handsome or uh, look like... yeah <laughs> well look, i actually <laughs> you're stunning yeah. but oh, but in my mind you. if i want to break the ice it would be like she's handsome he he is handsome no she they they, (laughs) the yes
1: (laughs) so i love that i thank you for your authentic uh expression within this conversation because this is exactly in my opinion what's needed is to be able to just like talk like this and to not worry about getting it right and to not worry about um somebody uh getting mad or getting offended right like to be able to actually just like converse to human beings is so so important when it comes to any of this stuff as far as I'm concerned, in my opinion. So yes, first of all, just wanting to acknowledge that um the Spanish language is going is is going to um and I don't speak Spanish, but I do know that the they them thing is a sort of tricky piece when it comes to other languages. And um and so just wanting to acknowledge that. Uh, as far as like breaking the ice, I love that you said beautiful, handsome because I actually like both of those, and st- of course I like to be called stunning. But um, but beautiful and handsome, I think, are completely gender um, really? neutral, right? Like they- Well, they are. They are. Yes, traditionally beautiful is a woman, handsome is a man, but really. Not really. A man can be beautiful. A woman can be handsome. Right. And so where do I land? Look, I would say um, I've never wanted to be a man. I've always been very glad that I didn't have that anatomy. Um, I'm just glad that I don't (laughs) for whatever reason. Um, But I also have never, even as a kid, um, identified with this idea of like, I am woman, I am feminine, I am like, it just never resonated for me. And for many years, I thought it had something to do with my trauma and that, or maybe even internalized patriarchy. But over the years and through lots of trauma resolution for myself and now doing it with others in a, as, as my main um, work at this time, I've come to realize like, no, this isn't about trauma. This is about just the way that this activity that is me expresses. And that's where that the term non-binary comes in. I don't feel that I I fall into that binary in the way that some folks do. And so uh I use the they, them pronouns because it's what we do here. We we're using these pronouns. Um, I don't think it really encapsulates the the fullness of what I experience as being, but it is though, it is a shorthand, at least within this culture, that I can use. Um but what I will say is that um I don't uh I don't strongly identify with the idea of gender at all.
0: Okay. Okay. For myself for myself. Yeah. And I I have I have an aspect where I relate. And just in short <laughs> like the the big lesson that I get here is like before asking someone like how do you identify or or hi how do I can call you because like that can like slow down spontaneity though it's important I feel that a good starter point is just tell tell you like hey you instead of hey guy or hey lady like, and in a way, it's it's very horizontal. It's also like very egalitarian. Like, I am not less than you. I am not more than you. We are equal. Because in Spanish and in Mexico, we have a lot of the, we, for example, if I was talking to someone of my age, I would call him like, hola tu. And if it's an elder person, it's usted. With, with a mm-hmm. certain deference of and distance like no you you are higher and i am lower and i believe that mm, equality is about being horizontal and also creating a certain space allowing for the person that is in front of you reveal to you their their own identity and the position from where they are relating First of and foremost, with themselves and then to the world. And I remember that when I was a teenager, I was a graffiti artist, kind of a mild delinquent. And I was the only girl in the midst of a bunch of 25 guys, skaters and metal players, super hardcore. And I was just like with with my Tiny Toons t-shirt, but I was doing the same (laughs) things that they were doing and it was super strange for them when they came into the group because like oh she's a woman and then she whatever like they didn't know if they should like try to conquer me or or dismiss me as weak or whatever but I was very good at painting modesty aside, and I was super wild and I I climbed to very dangerous places and then I put the names of my friends because they were, they would chicken out and I was like completely bold and crazy and fearless. <laughs> so <laughs> so in a way, for me it was super valuable to, to be respected and I didn't do stuff to to be manly or to measure with them. I was just a living being Relating to another bunch of of living beings. Yes. Later on, I moved to another city, Guadalajara, which is very traditional. And my best friend was the wife of one of those guys in the gang. And she was like, you should dress like a a girl, like a woman, because I was with this huge... um, T-shirts and and sweaters and super big pants and sometimes I I didn't shower for a week and she was like super shocked and it was like devastating for her and then like I started to dress like a girl and for me it was like I I don't know what to do with the boobs they get in the way and it was strange because my my identity as a woman in in a more traditional way came pretty much ahead like when I was 25 years I was like okay mm, mm, yeah maybe maybe I like dresses because when I was little I was super everything pink and ribbons and and super girly then I mutated then I sort of came back and then I I don't know now (laughs) so I think this this is very important when it comes to, to showing up first for yourself, like, okay, this is what I like, where I feel comfortable and safe, which opens space to acknowledge what turns you on, and then to open the communication when you are in relation with someone, though People is not as civilized sometimes in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> well, and
1: everywhere, I would say. I love this. I love where um, first of all, I thank you for sharing that with me. And I I love hearing about your journey uh um and how you uh sort of flipped the gender norms um on their heads. That's I love it. Um and the connection here with authentic expression being connected to your yourself in a way that feels uh, aligned with, with your own truth, and then being able to um, share that with a potential partner or with a partner and um, how much richer and deeper that connection can be and how much greater the turn on and the pleasure can be. Uh, I know for me in recent years, because this has been you know something that's been unfolding, it's not new, it's just that... I wasn't as awake to it, and I found myself in a long-term relationship with someone who really would prefer, would have preferred that I was in a traditionally more fem- feminine, I put that in quotes because whatever the hell that is, but more feminine uh, expression and so while i was very empowered and i was out there empowering others there was still a part of me that really was connected to my own personal childhood trauma that was trying to fit into a mold that would make this person choose me mm-hmm. and in ending that relationship which you know was over 2 years ago now i really i almost instantly stopped wearing most of my clothes and started wearing different clothing Wow. Um, I, I had already cut my hair. Now I'd had short hair when I was younger and I'd had shape, a shaved head several times. So it wasn't new, but I cut my hair. I got new clothes. I started feeling my body wanting to do different things and move in different ways. My voice wanted to do different things. And I was like, Oh, I was push. I was really containing a lot of myself. I was, I was shrinking myself down and it's, it's not that person's fault. I mean, look, I won't get into the details of that, but I'll just say that like, it was part of my pattern and part of my journey and part of my healing story to come out the other side of that and to recognize like, it's okay to be exactly who I am. And this is what actually feels good. And so when it came to new partners and new sexual partners and people I dated and things, um, it's been really cool to see how as I become more and more embodied in this expression, this full whole self-expression, um, how fun uh, sex and intimacy has become in that way because there's just all this freedom that is is there now. Um, and like, I like to joke around that if someone can can say, if someone can call me a good girl without me feeling like I'm being gendered, they got my number right like because anyone can be a good girl <laughs> anyone can be um um what is it uh there's a couple other terms like that but like it's like really sexy really hot it doesn't have to be gendered and it just all depends on if somebody's really seeing me or not if they're really seeing me then they can use language like that in certain situations and it can still feel really sexy to me. Um, but I also, you know, love being uh experienced as androgynous and even a little James Deanish, things like this. <laughs> like I find that to be really hot too. Um, and so sex has become more fun and more pleasurable. I mean, I've always had good sex in my life. Like I've just whatever, been blessed in that way. But um it's gotten even more fun and even better. And then the other thing that's been cool is that things like I have nails. I have these like my I grew my nails, and like eh, it's not always uh, convenient depending on the gender of the person I might be dating. But for right now, I'm single, not really dating anyone. So I've grown my nails out, and I go and get them done. And I've gotten more into makeup as well, and it's because I don't feel like. I'm doing it in a look at me. I'm feminine when I don't feel that way. I'm doing it in like a fun and exploratory way instead. And so, what I, it's like, there's this curiosity and this exploration and this play and pleasure and embodiment and turn on that has come from me saying, Here I am. <laughs> this is me.
0: Exactly. So, yes, exactly. Because it's coming forth to the world as you are moment by moment with that fluidity and especially in interaction with the other or with the environment. I think in those times I would my as well being called like a mean motherfucker. Yes. <laughs> and, and that like, yeah, because intimacy, it's like pure creative force. Like we're here because of sex, <laughs> like we are at the well, things are changing now, and people. It's also the outcome of cellular sex, but not necessarily their parents. But I think we're still from from the raw generation that we are the karmic result <laughs> of our parents making out. So, yep. Why caging yourself? Exactly on the arena where there should be absolutely no limits beyond the one, I mean, first and foremost, consent. But after that, like, that's the arena to to full freedom of, of expression. And sometimes, like, uh, I, I had a friend that, that said, like, The problem with people that is out of control in their lives is that oftentimes they are controlled in the bed and the other way around. Like, put control where it should be. Like, (laughs) have your finances under control and lose control, lose your head, go crazy in bed because that's the place. Like, there you are coming into the encounter with yourself or with others. In a piece of furniture that won't let you lie, like it's like a, a lie detector. Because you, well, who is in the bed, it's not your iPhone, your profile, your credit. That's you naked. And if you're coming with with this frame of identity and complying with the society, you're you're not naked. You're not wearing anything. You're just coming in in a suit of armor. It's, in a place that I believe is the place to, to share the gift that you are. Fully. Uh, amen.
1: I couldn't agree more. Beautifully put. And and yeah. And look, it's going to be different for everyone. I mean, I have friends and colleagues who are so, who are in such devotion of like of the feminine and in 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 such deep intimacy with their own um f- female expression as in, in a more traditional sense in a in a sort of goddess way and i love it like beautiful if that is what is your full expression because there's fluidity within that as well right like so whatever it is for you like i love it and i love that we get to um as people who are on a spiritual and creative and um path path of awakening in all the ways sexual spiritual creative psychological that we get to have choice yeah. we don't have to be locked in to the way that it has been done or the way we think it's supposed to be done or the way that religion says or the way that culture says or our parents say whatever that we actually get to come into like you said, moment to moment, what we are, and at the end of the day, moment to moment, what we are, has nothing to do with age or gender or anything. Exactly. It's exactly a wild, impermanent wave of
0: expanding and contracting phenomena. So <laughs> <laughs> it, is. it is, indeed with colored nails, hairdo, no, I, even no breasts because there are people that is overcoming cancer the thing is how to be more comfortable with who you are and being that comfortable also in the society like how how to adjust your your relational interface so you can match and have and have pleasure so it it's it comes a little bit as a as a surprise that you were on a relationship that sort of pushed you like not to blame the the other person but the interaction itself like more bounced you back in into a certain frame so yeah. you came out of that frame when you came out of of the of the relation but. Why do you think you fell into that frame in the first place?
1: Yeah, yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, so I, I share openly about these kinds of things because I think when we're out there in a public way and we're talking about healing and awakening and sexuality and expression and creativity, people will project a lot on you. They'll see you as, oh, well, that person is, um, is perfect. That person um, has everything together. That person um, uh, is so far beyond me. And it's just not true. I've never met anybody, including people who are very awake, who don't have stuff that they're working on. Um when I uh I guess it was back in about 2016, I called my um one of my main teachers, spiritual teachers, Shenzhen Young, I called him up and I gave him an update on what was unfolding in my I don't even want to say spiritual practice, let's just say life. And he said, great. Okay, good. So now refine the human. So basically he was saying, you know, don't worry about the spiritual stuff, work, work on refining the the human. human being. Yeah. And honestly, that's what it ends up being about because through practice and through remembering and through finding the right combination of modalities and practices, awakening is on a spiritual level is absolutely possible in this lifetime. It's absolutely possible. It is not beyond any of us to, um, not only have the insights, but have those insights of of oneness, of emptiness, of, you know, um, of spaciousness, blah, blah blah. Like it's it's not at all out of possibility that you can not only have those insights, but that they yeah. can spread out and the gaps can close and life can just become that so that you're not you're no longer having peak experiences but life is just this unfolding that's possible for all of us it really is is it easier for some harder for others depending on certain circumstances conditions yes um but it is possible and anyone that tells you otherwise i i would maybe talk to someone else because this idea of it takes lifetimes to awaken eh, i don't i definitely don't agree but what does take a lot more time is refining the human and part of refining the human yeah. is um working to heal the trauma working to for many of us working to heal the childhood trauma the developmental trauma the complex uh PTSD which is something that I'm I'm diagnosed with and I've spent you know many many years now working on and it's my greatest accomplishment, honestly, is like the level of recovery I've had from CPTSD. Now, it's a spiral, this healing process, and we come back around to the same stuff again and again. Mm-hmm. And this relationship perfectly mirrored what I experienced as a child in some really painful ways. And It doesn't mean it was all bad. There were some really beautiful things that unfolded. Interestingly, a lot of them were creative and a lot of them were sexual. And in my childhood, there was a lot of sex positivity, which has a lot to do with why I am the way I am. Sex was a beautiful thing. And I perhaps got a bit too much information for a kid. I've perhaps experienced things that I shouldn't I definitely experienced things I shouldn't have, but I was also taught that there was nothing to be ashamed of when it came to sex. And my creativity was encouraged. I won't say that it was encouraged to the level that I wish it had been, but it was encouraged in some pretty important ways. And so I can look at that and be like, oh, that was the good stuff. And that was also in this relationship, but there was a lot of not good stuff. There was Um, In my childhood, there was physical abuse, there was a a lot of emotional and psychological abuse, there was a lot of neglect, and there was um, sexual abuse. And these kinds of things were mirrored and echoed in this relationship as well. And so we repeat these patterns because at the limbic brain level, this is what we associate with love and intimacy. This is what feels safe, because if, as a little kid, in my experience, um, you're getting all this love and affection, and then you're getting physically abused, or you're getting neglected, or a parent is disappearing into addiction or mental illness, and then you're getting a bunch of love, and then right, it's it's like so inconsistent and so frightening to the nervous system, but that's what you're getting then it's going to wire in that that's home, that's safe, that's normal. And so while I had done a huge amount of work and I'd come a long way, um, I was still working it out. And I probably will continue to. I'm not going to work it out in the same way. I don't need to do that again. I don't ever need to do that again. (laughs) Um, But evidently I did. And so I think it's important to know that I'm not the only trauma resolution specialist, meditation teacher, sex and relationship guide that's going through this stuff. All of, all of them are. All of them are. All of them are on some level that I've seen. Now, we all have our own battles and we all have our own areas of challenge, but none of these people out there who are leading the way are without these challenges and I am definitely not, Um, but I can also say that it is totally possible to have recovery and to have resolution and to have a really different experience. And the cool thing is, is that throughout that relationship, those almost 11 years, I was doing lots and lots and lots of healing work, doing lots and lots and lots of resolution and learning a lot. So when it was over, I had grown a lot in huge leaps and bounds and i have a completely different experience of of relationship and of what i consider to be love and so it wasn't like it was wasted time it was painful and there were there's trauma involved that i've needed to work through But I'm a clean machine now when it comes to working through trauma because I've because I've done so much of it. So it's like, oh, oh, that happened. Oh, I have realization that that this was going on. Okay, let me just do the things I I do, get the support I need and work through it. And that's because it's because if you've done a lot of, of this trauma resolution work, then when new stuff arises, you can deal with it immediately versus having it stack up in your nervous system and create more. Trauma, more unresolved emergency response. And so while it can seem like a lot to work through when you're in it and it can be like, this is never ending, it's not never ending. And you will get to the point where you can process, resolve, heal, and come to a place of thriving relatively quickly once you have those tools in place.
0: Wow, wow, wow. So in a way, this relationship was like an amplifying glass of all the unresolved issues that were bubbling beneath the surface and operating in your unconscious. And in a way that can be a gift. If you you identify it and and, and work with, with yourself to heal in such a way that it becomes a gift and I like also like this calm understanding that our wounds even if they are healed they they have scars and those scars make like like patterns or imprints that it makes sense that would be like a template for a person to match especially because as those those wounds happened where enmeshed and intertwined with greatest, great uh, learnings, gifts, pleasures, and things that do sustain you in your life. Like you were, your, your creativity was encouraged. Like you had a lot of support and there was real love in your upbringing. So it, it can be like very confusing, like like almost gaslighting, like, Okay, so love, to be love, need to have a component of neglect. And creativity needs to have a component of abuse because that's what I learned. And then it turns out that you're not a kid anymore. You're a grown-up. And an exercise of that maturity is to be creative about it and... And say like, hey, this is interesting, but but not from a frame of now. I want to be healed and perfect, so I can be secret, so I can be loved and accepted and get validation because now I am not a crazy someone. But mm-hmm. in in a more gentle and realistic and practical way of understanding that it's okay to be undone. It's okay, and and it's a fact that. There are things that are wounds that may never heal, but the rest of the self has become strong enough and loving enough and supportive enough to to carry that wound and protect it and keep it like sa- safe. Like <laughs> don't let anyone get into this open area of flesh and if someone falls in there like act on the spot with with the tools so it's very relieving because there's like a i believe a a cultural procrastination to pleasure and awareness Mm -hmm. and and awakening because now i cannot get enlightened until i am no longer a sinner especially here in mexico that every everyone is super catholic like Uh first I, i want to like be perfect And then I will be deserving of while working with refining our humanness, like feels less enclosing, feels like more spacious, feels more allowing and also more inviting for others to also be human on their journey. Yes.
1: And I mean, if we look at like, if we, if we look at the, you know the story of jesus for example this is a human someone who's come human form suffering making mistakes feeling angry feeling sad feeling disappointed feeling joyful right like so even the who who you know if if we follow that religion we lift we lift high we still see that reflection we still see that path, we still see that journey and that's I mean that's what I personally love about Jesus <laughs> is like this is this is someone who um who was fully in humanity and also awake and that's like to me that's the thing like that's what we want
0: that's that's what I want that's yeah that's that's what we want and about this humanness oof how how is it possible to to feel? Well, we are all deserving of pleasure. That's our birth birthright. It's pleasure and sensual pleasure, sexuality, fulfilling intimacy. That's our birthright. That shouldn't be questioned. And even though, like we know that, and maybe even if we are okay with ourselves there's always like this little cricket in in the shoulder reminding us of the people that is suffering in the world and then it's super hard to feel like how can i be here like in the garden like scratching my belly smelling the flowers when are when there are like kids dying in a a bombarded hospital, no? So my question is, like, what is an ethical way to behold the contradictory fruits that life in its raw reality offer us? Like, yeah, like, how how can we, like get get off without checking out and checking out meaning Uh
1: (laughs) nice little place little plug for my book there
0: i like that (laughs) yeah product placement here (laughs) yeah i'm gonna ask you about your your book in a few but sure sure uh, this is like like the foreground to that question like yes how can we like be open to pleasure when the world is going on apocalyptic times, full on. Yes. Well, I will say that it is
1: even more important that we connect to our pleasure as the world is burning. Um, and I actually want to recommend a book that is not mine. It's Adrian Marie Brown, Pleasure Activism. Wow. And this is The the Politics of Feeling Good, and it was written and gathered by Adrienne Marie Brown. And so there's a bunch of different um, women and femmes of color who have created this book. And it is so incredibly powerful and speaks to this question in ways that I could never even begin to as, um you know, as a white person. Um, it's so powerful. And then the other the other book I want to recommend is uh, one everyone should read, which is a um, all about love, bell hooks. Wow. And wow. there's a there's actually a line in this early in this book that kind of really changed a paradigm for me, which was um, she talks about how love and abuse cannot exist together which I thought was very... I mean, I don't know that I can 100% say that is my perspective or philosophy, but it was very healing for me to take that in and to um, validate the parts of me that suspected that, that were like, this can't be love. And in many ways, it's not. And so those are those two books, I think, answer a lot of these questions really well. So I would just refer listeners to those books and to those amazing women. Um, and I will also say uh, that when we are encountering these horrors and heartbreaks of being human in this world that is just filled with suffering um, and unconsciousness and ignorance and hatred and shockingly, though not shocking at all, um, movements of devastation against each other. we must, we must connect to our own pleasure because if we don't, we do one of two things generally. We shut down and we shut off and that leads to complici- being complicit, that leads to condoning, that leads to being part of the um, tragedies and uh violations of humanity that are happening so we 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 kind of shut down and we get um apathetic um or we drop into like the 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 most base of ourselves like this is what i believe and i'm right and it's you versus me and me versus you we get into that space where so many people are this sort of tribalism right or we go into such deep despair because it hurts so much to see what's happening in the world and what's happening to our fellow humans um, that we go into such deep despair that we just become mentally ill.
0: Yes,
1: we yes. become uh, unable to function, and we uh, also shut down. But it's a different flavor of it. It's where we are just constantly caught in the darkness and we only see that and our hearts are just torn apart in ways that are are not um, conducive to growing and um, deepening awakening and love. And so, we don't want those options. We want the option of like, I am fully human. My heart is totally broken and my heart is totally whole. Uh, and I can witness and take action. And at the same time, take care of this beautiful human that has this complicated and delicate nervous system. And, uh, and I can therefore live another day, you know? And so for me, pleasure is an incredible resource and it's an important resource for activists, therefore pleasure Mm -hmm. activism, right? That book. Um, So yeah. So we must, we must, we must, we must emphasize our own pleasure. And by doing that also by um, being in pleasure and being in the embodiment of all the pleasure that's available to us, even when we're in emotional or physical pain, uh, we're modeling that for others. And that's a, That's such a gift. That's such an important um, uh, kind of activism is to show that actually, even even though, even with all of these horrors, it is possible to, to feel good. And it doesn't mean that you're avoiding. It doesn't mean that you're checking out. It doesn't mean that you're bypassing. You are so awake. You're so present that you're recognizing it's not black and white there's a whole massive never-ending rainbow of, of human experience
0: yes it's not black, black and white and pleasure brings in the colors to to the darkness in reality so i love what you're saying because yes denying ourselves pleasure like in a way is is an act of self self-violence understanding pleasure as as an expression of health and an expression of our authenticity and our plain raw life force. and and bypassing this this bodily pleasure is like subscribing to to the narrative instead of taking an active role, not in the narrative, but in reality as a whole, that is super complex. And it's also an act of resistance of not surrendering our our pleasure ability that is a true epicenter, because it resonates, it's contagious. And Mm -hmm. it's so needed, especially in times of of challenges, because where are the solutions in creativity? And it doesn't mean shutting down, it doesn't mean sugarcoating reality, saying everything is perfect, but actually beholding beholding life as, as it is. Exactly, yeah. So
1: beautifully put. Yeah, and I think like this uh, idea of turn-on and of sexual and sensual pleasure, um, coming back to this rewiring of what is love, and what is right relationship. Um, Same thing with sex and pleasure and sensuality. It's like to understand that we can feel safe. Yes, yes, yes. That we can feel safe, full body, nervous system level, safe while also really turned on. Well, we can do that in our own personal growing. Like if you have sexual trauma, if you have any kind of trauma, like learning that, oh, I can be safe in my body and I can be safe in my turn on. Like for me, what turned me on the most was actually being unsafe, was actually being abused in some way, because that's how my system was wired. My lust and love chemicals were developed when I was very small and while I was in this inconsistent, like unstable and scary, dangerous experience. Right. And so I'm going to experience. Um, my turn on based on that. Well, that's been rewired. You know, I've changed that. So I'm not turned on by that anymore. It's not sexy to me. And so that's like the sort of micro, and then on the macro level, as we're encountering everything that's unfolding and we are still inclining towards pleasure and towards turn on and towards uh, sensuality, we're also doing that kind of rewiring we're saying yes the darkness is all around and it's safe for me to be in this in this my own sexual sensual pleasure and therefore i um i can go out into the world feeling safe because i've invested in this kind of safety within myself and and within my my sexual relationship with myself with others
0: mm-hmm. I can relate with this kind of idea of of love and lust being tied to a certain kind of at least mild abuse and being despisive of everything mediocre or lukewarm <laughs> but it took time for me to understand that like like a great uh, Argentinian psychologist said that if there's no no tenderness in communication that's mistreatment and it took me a while like understand tenderness doesn't mean fluffiness or baby boys that can be actually like like nice nasty like yeah and there's a lot of this culture of I am saying something super nice in this tone, but it has a sarcasm underneath, and mm-hmm. and that's not it. That's not love. That's mistreatment. That's mm-hmm. abuse from from any layer. And tenderness and love are actually not lukewarm at all. Mm-hmm. They are very frontal, and takes a, a boldness. Uh, being quite, quite frontal and and yeah, like the key is safety and safety meaning seeing and listening the other and respecting the other and seeing yourself, listening to yourself and respecting yourself and then meeting in that place. And I believe that that's the perfect ground for spanking if you're into it or like passion and intensity like that's the real deal that's where you become really naked I remember Madonna saying that that it's easier to to show your ass than your feelings and the real interesting juicy sexy thing of intimacy is like coming forth bare, bearing bearing it all but yes we need these these bases of of safety of of security so Mm -hmm. yeah and i am curious about your take we have talked a lot of about love and and i want to ask you also about sex and for me it's been very interesting that talking with the with the guests in the essential sessions podcast everyone seems so comfortable talking about sex and sexuality and a lot of people have freaked out about talking about pleasure and even worse talking about love like and then i started i was like wow interesting phenomena <laughs> and and then mm-hmm. i i started to be more observant in in what's going on in our culture and in a way like sexuality has become like quite mainstream there's a lot of footage out there and love it's almost a taboo thing if it's out of the context of friendship uh, parenting or humanitarian causes so Mm. now that we have talked a lot about love and sex i want to to know, like, have you noticed this kind of freaking out about love?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think. Um, look, I I'm really happy that there we're all talking about sex more, um, and that it's uh like becoming slowly less taboo in in ways. But I think we have a habit of, and I think you were mentioning this earlier, but we have this habit of, uh commod what's the word, making a commodity of it, of, of, of making it into a product of, you know, like the whole, whole like wellness uh, industry. Oh, like we've taken something that is really just like basic human rights, like rest, hydration, healthy food, which, which means a lot of different things for different people. It's not one thing that's healthy food, um, movement, breathing, (laughs) like we've taken these like basic human rights and we've made them into a multi-billion dollar industry. And I think, yeah, I think we're, we've, we've in some ways done this, done the same thing with this sort of sexual wellness or mindful sex. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's problematic because we do um bypass things like love and pleasure in a way, in a way. I'm not saying that everyone's doing that and I'm not saying that this is all bad that sex is being talked about in this way at all. Like it is none of this is black and white and also none of this what I'm saying is like the truth. It's just kind of my take on things, just just to be clear. Um uh But I think love and pleasure incredibly vulnerable. And I know for me growing up, I was like so sex forward. And I was like, like my my first boyfriend, like never made me come. I faked it every time. And I was like, I'll never do that again. And literally like, I never did. I was like, I'm getting mine. Like, I was like, this is how you do it. This is what I like, you know? And I was very like, I'll fuck who I want when I want to. And you can't slut shame me because I don't care. And I was very, I I advocated for my own pleasure and I um, was very empowered in my sexuality from a young age. And I love that. That's part of what allows me to be who I am today. Um, But what I avoided in all of that was actually seeing and being seen. What I avoided in all of that were those uncomfortable awkward moments that come up in intimacy what i avoided in all of that was like actually taking in love really taking in the nutrients of love and really being willing to uh exist in that terrifying and beautiful place of (sighs) loving and being loved as a perfectly imperfect human you know and so i think a lot of the time we are we're avoiding it and we're also on like we can get our talking points you know this is what i say about this thing and this is what i say about this thing and and i've 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 been guilty of that myself but these days it's just like you know first of all i don't know like anybody that says they know I don't know. How can we know? How can we know anything, really? But how can we know the depths and the the possibilities when it comes to these intersections of love and pleasure and sex? It is a never ending journey. It is a never ending, um, multi layered, faceted path on all dimensions. Right. And so I don't know. But what I do know is that love is the thing. It seems to be like love is the thing that makes up everything. So if we're not willing to get into get our hands dirty and pulpy with love, then we are kind of missing the thing.
0: Yeah, kind of missing the thing. Love, love. So then we come to your book. <laughs> you have a book titled "Good Sex." How, how to get off without checking out so what is good sex i mean i think we've been talking about it
1: throughout this conversation yeah. right um i think good sex simply put is um two people showing up Sorry. or mul- multiple people let's 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 strike that it could be multiple people um, you know some some people showing up <laughs> <laughs> fully, uh, fully expressing to the to the ability that they can. Now that's going to change year to year. My full expression of self two years ago is different to today, five years ago, ten years ago, right? But being willing to walk up right up to that that our own edge and maybe just gently a little bit past it, and for another person to be willing to do that with us and um, consent, of course, safety, of course, to the degree that we are capable of it my consent my level of consent um both with myself with others it has grown and expanded and developed in all kinds of ways over the years right what I think of as consent now and what I used to think of as consent who really different like it's it, so to the level that we can at that time um of course consent above all like that needs to be a, 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 a basic part. Like that's like a non-negotiable that has to be there, right? Um, But consent has levels and depth. So we continue to find those as we grow and and learn. Um, Being able to connect with our bodies, um, though, this is going to be also different for different people. So the idea that good sex is embodied sex. Yes, absolutely. 100%. And there are people with serious uh chronic pain i i that has been my experience uh there are people with a lot of trauma in their body a sexual trauma um being embodied isn't always going to be aligned with good sex sometimes good sex is going to happen totally in your mind because that's where you feel safest yes so there's not a an answer of this is what makes good sex. So mindfulness, right? Mindfulness means a lot of different things, but just in this one basic sense, it's like being mindful of what is true and in alignment for me today. Yes. And acting based on that, and making love based on that, and fucking based on that, and kissing based on that, and the other person or people doing the same. So for me, the bar is very high as far as the kind of um, expression of self that I want to encounter when I'm in physical relations with someone, like I need to know that that person is in consent with themselves. I need to know that they feel safe to be there. Um, I need to know that they can communicate with me and say what's what they like and what they don't like, and um, that that they're creative and in touch with um, with all of the possibilities that they're not locked into a black and white way of thinking about sex. So that's that's what I'm looking for when it comes to good sex. And yes, I have like preferences and things that I like and things that specifically turn me on, but that's also part of good sex, like being able to get to know yourself and then being able to express that. And oftentimes the things that turn us on the most they can be really simple and they can also be really weird, right? <laughs> and it's kind of endless and it's kind of on that spectrum of what it could be. And so as you understand yourself more, um, ever-changing self more, uh, then you are able to have better and better sex. Uh, at the end of the day, are you really there? Do you really want to
0: be there? Yes. And does it feel good? Yeah. Yes. It's like that's good sex yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah are you really there? do you really want to be there and are you really enjoying that like that that's like <laughs> tattoo that on your hand yeah uh, I, I love what you say that practically this basic humanness is it what sustains good sex like basic consent, self-awareness, embodiment if it's appropriate for your kind of health situation and the willingness to to behold your weirdness and the weirdness of the other and the weirdness, the weird cake that comes out from that mix. And sometimes like two normal people get together and the cake is explosive or two crazy people get together and it's like flat yep like nothing happens so yeah sex is it's a domain of the mysterious in a way like it's it's pure 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 magic like it's it's the energy of of life life force and creating life like of course like fortunately reproduction is no longer mostly the consequence of, of sex. So why wouldn't we fully enjoy this this gift that we have of becoming fully intimate? So, Jessica, I love this conversation. It's very important, meaningful, and practically has a lot of, of little doors for, for the sensualists here to open and go order that book, read, then study this little bit, learn, play, explore. Very happy to have you here, truly.
1: Such a pleasure. Thank you so much for this really um, enlivening and uh, enriching and fulfilling conversation. I, I really deeply appreciate it. Thank you.
0: So tell us how can we learn more about your many doings? Where can we watch your films? where can we buy your book yeah so
1: yeah yeah so um coming soon is jessicagram.com right now it's under construction currently you can get information at yourwildawakening.com um and then i'm I'm fairly active on Instagram and my Instagram handle is Jessica Clark Graham. And that's my TikTok handle as well, Jessica Clark Graham. So those are two places where I tend to put content. And then I have a YouTube channel with a bunch of meditation, some of them around mindful sex. Um, and that uh, that is the channel is called Wild Awakening. And you can also just uh, find my YouTube channel on any of my socials or on my website. Um, and the book is available wherever books are sold. So you can get it through Amazon. You can get it at libraries. You can get it at, you know, independent bookstores. Um, and there's an audio version. We don't have a Spanish language version, and I don't know why. And I've asked multiple times. So, I mean, maybe we can get some people to contact my publisher and be like, hey, Spanish language. Um, but there is a Dutch language and then a Czech uh, version as well. So those are available. Uh, and um a lot of the work that I do these days with clients is I I work a lot with trauma. I'm doing trauma resolution so I I'm certified in somatic trauma resolution um, and in an archetypal sort of uh, trauma work and then I'm also trained in brain spotting, which is a trauma modality that's an offshoot of EMDR. And that's what I'm really passionate about. Um, and you can find information about that. There's a form to fill out if you want to learn more. Um, you can get that on my website or on my um, Instagram. And um, as far as the films go, yeah, there's a, a bunch out there. There's stuff on Amazon. Um, and uh, there's more coming soon. Um, there's a feature called The Tangle, which is a sci-fi feature. And that's available Um to rent or buy or stream um, and there's a bunch of other stuff out there so if you uh if you go to IMDB or you google me you'll you'll find it it's out there
0: it's <laughs> out there okay thank you thank you so much so essentially go to yourwildawakening.com to learn more about Jessica Graham and follow her everywhere in social media with the handle at jessicaclark graham correct correct yeah and watch the tangle film that is it's up already right
1: yes yes it's available to rent by stream yeah
0: sci-fi nice and also if you haven't already go get the free guide to awaken sensuality at centrodepoder.com and catch you next time until then remember to sense your fire so you can share the flame